0: Welcome to the Happy Home birth Podcast, your source for positive natural childbirth stories and your community of support, education, and encouragement in all things home birth and motherhood. Well, hey there, everyone, and welcome to the Happy Home birth Podcast. This is episode number 18, and I am your host, Caitlin Fusco. I am really excited about this episode with Sarah Box today. She is a wonderful storyteller, and I loved hearing about both of her births. So before we start, I just want to give our quick little shout-outs and thank-yous. Our reviewer of the week is Jess Gilchrist, and her review says, so real and refreshing. I recently found this podcast and it is such a breath of fresh air. Having had three babies in three different settings, hospital with drugs, hospital without drugs, and assisted home birth, it is so refreshing to have this podcast available. The guests are so relatable and make listening not only easy, but also enjoyable. Thank you so much. And if you will send me an email at caitlin at myhappyhomebirth.com. I will be sending you a Happy Home Birth Podcast sticker and you can display it proudly for the world to see. I also want to go ahead and take this time to thank our amazing sponsors. This episode was sponsored by Steph Sibio's Glowing Mama to Be course, which is a weekly pregnancy guide for a fit and healthy pregnancy and labor and it begins at 6 weeks and goes all the way up to birth. So I have to tell you I've spoken about this pregnancy workout a number of times, but now from personal experience because I just started doing her workout program for the third trimester, holy moly, that was such a really good intense workout and the thing about pregnancy workouts that I have found in the past and why I've never invested in one is I always think, ugh, but they don't really get it. Like, I really like to work out hard, and Steph totally gets it. And her workouts are intense, but they're good for any level because you can choose the weight that you use. But I certainly recommend this program. So, if you will go to myhappyhomebirth.com forward slash glowing mama course. That's how you can get to her sign-up page really easily, and don't forget that she has a 15% discount. For anybody who is a Happy Home Birth uh, podcast listener, it's Happy Home Birth 15, Happy Home Birth one no spaces, and that will get you 15% off. This week's episode is also brought to you by our midwife, Carrie LaChapelle-Craft, who was interviewed last week. If you didn't check that episode, please go straight over there after this one. Hatched at Home midwife Carrie LaChapelle is a licensed midwife, CPM of 12 years, and she offers home birth services in the upstate of South Carolina. Carrie provides evidence based prenatal care, mama baby family centered home birth care, including water birth, and mama baby postpartum care from birth to six weeks and beyond. Carrie offers extras like beautiful Bangkok belly binding, and she carries a wide variety of wish garden tinctures in her office. The cool thing is is that she offers a free consultation to see if she's a good fit for your birth, so you can visit her at her website, hatchedathome.com. You could also check her out on Facebook at HatchedMidwifeCarrieLaChapelle.com or just get in touch with her by giving her a call at 864-907-6363. And guys, I hope that you will please contact our sponsors. They are so helpful in keeping this show up and going, and I'm hoping that I'm going to be able to grow it in this way. So please check them out. Uh, any courses that they offer, if you will give it a checkout and let them know that I was the one that sent you, that will mean so much to me. All right, so with that being said, there's one more thing I wanted to cover besides my weekly reminder to take a screenshot of you listening to this episode and upload it to Instagram, to your stories, and tag me at Happy Home Birth Podcast, and I will put you in my stories. Don't forget to do that. That's very fun. The other thing that I wanted to mention is I know that this is a community, and I know that you guys, I feel like we're already a community. Would you be interested in having a closed Facebook group? If you would, I am really, really excited and happy to facilitate that. But I do think that I might need some help with moderators. So if this is something that you would be interested in, and if you would potentially be interested in helping me moderate it and getting things off of the ground, would you please email me at caitlin at myhappyhomebirth.com? We will get something worked out for that. I really would love to provide this community for you. I'm not confident that I can just do it all by myself, though. So if anybody is able to volunteer for that, I will be super excited. Now, with all of that being said, let us turn our attention to Sarah's birth center and home birth stories. Sarah, thank you so much for coming on Happy Home Birth. Not a problem. Thanks, Caitlin. Um, Thanks for having me. Yeah. No, I would love for you to just introduce yourself to the listeners and tell me about yourself and your family. Sure. Um,
1: One of my favorite topics to talk about, of course. Um, I'm Sarah. Obviously, I am not from the United States, as you can probably tell by my accent. Um, My husband is, though, he was born in Mississippi, and we actually met in Alaska um, 10 years ago. Now we're coming up on, on 10 years together, so I can't believe the time has flown by. Um, we moved around quite a bit. Um, we've lived in Alaska twice. We've been in Tennessee, um, Hawaii, Australia, um, and now we're, we're here in Mississippi at the moment. Um, Family-wise, we have two little boys. We have Manning, who is a very precocious, lively energetic handful of a five-year-old, but we love him dearly. Um, and then we have Alex who is coming up on his second birthday in about three weeks. And he unfortunately has a significant case of second child syndrome at the moment because I just realized it was three weeks until his birthday. And I have not given a thought to
0: his birthday party. So
1: <laughs> we're getting started on that thought process this weekend.
0: <laughs> oh, well, I'm glad that you're thinking to have one because we just
1: <laughs> kind of I, I, thought last I, minute. Oh, all right.
0: Here's a birthday party. I,
1: I thought about not, but, you know, the, the poor. Second child, and, and you know we've got some family around, and my mom will be visiting that the weekend as well. So we, we thought we might as well have something special for him, and um, at, at least
0: make an effort. Oh, that's wonderful! Yeah, it sounds like you've got a similar first first child, firstborn child that mm-hmm. as I do. Mine is whoo, she's a handful.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my my main consolation is that he is apparently an absolute angel at school and in Sunday school and with other people when they take care of him. So at least whatever we're doing at home is rubbing off in that regard they say that home is their safe place and so if they act out or anything like that it's um it's it's because they feel safe that he he's a he's a delightful child full of energy and um always always learning looking at at things you know helps us see things from a different perspective so we love love him to
0: bits oh I love to hear that that's that wonderful motherhood coming out (laughs) radiates well, so Sarah, I before we began this interview, we were talking about how you actually started by giving birth in a birth center. So, mm-hmm. what made you decide to go down that path? Um,
1: I was trying to think before we we you know started the course of exactly what led up to that. Um, you know, I never really had any sort of exposure prior. to as a child or anything like that to out of hospital birth. That was just sort of what I anticipated as, as normal. Um, That being said, I do know that my own mother was a, a little bit of a, Pioneer in her day, in that she, you know, refused epidurals and, um, you know, walked a lot during her labors and and stuff like that. Um, she had to decline an injection after delivery for both me and my brother to dry up her milk supply. She she chose to breastfeed. Um, you know, that was in Illinois in the eighties, so you know, a while ago and a, a different place from from here. But, um, you know, so I have a little bit of background with that as far as natural type delivery but nothing really in my childhood or young adult times where you know I had a lot of friends going that natural route or anything like that. Um, I think what it came down to for us was really what a lot of people say is you know that that documentary business of being born. Um, you know we we watched that and then we watched the second one and then we watched them again and it's like very very eye-opening. It birth is a a natural, healthy process. There's no need for it to take place in a hospital. Hospitals are for for sick people. Um, You know, that's not to say that there's not a place for that hospital delivery for those C-sections. I I certainly think that when they're medically necessary, they're, uh, you know, a fantastic option. I, you know, I hate to think about how many children would not be with us today if if they didn't have those, those medical advances and technology available to them. Um, But, but for me, and then for my husband, as he came on board, it it really was not something that we were interested in going that route. Um, And then being in Alaska for the pregnancy and and birth of our first child, it it was a very much accepted option up there to, to go the out, out of hospital route. Um, I actually had a a very dear friend at work who, um, even before I got pregnant, we were were talking about it. She, she loves birth and delivery and that sort of thing. I had been through a huge journey of her own, um, with, with a series of C-sections and babies who are unwell and, you know, maybe delivered before their time and, um, NICU visits, things like that. So she was very passionate and we, we talked extensively at work and she sort of got me on the path of thinking about it and then it just just progressed from there um so we we had a birth center delivery with with Manning our first child and um, had a wonderful group of of midwives both um, nurse midwives and direct entry midwives um, up in Alaska and um honestly the only reason I didn't push for home birth at that time apart from Thomas's hesitation on it was that the um the few midwifery services that provided home birth in Anchorage um, were not actually covered by my insurance. So, you know, I hated to to come down to money, but we had a a wonderful practice that we felt comfortable with and we were able to deliver in that out of hospital setting um, that wasn't quite home, but definitely wasn't the sterile, stark white you know, location of of a hospital, and it was it was definitely a fantastic experience
0: for us. That's that's wonderful to hear, and and it so often does come down to to finances and what's available through insurance, and yep. that's something that kind of frustrates me from time mm-hmm. to time. But I have noticed that you know, for example, Cigna is now mm-hmm. beginning to offer yes. insurance. That's amazing. Yes. So I, I know
1: I' am very excited about that when I saw that.
0: Yes, I just hope that that's the the continuation of the trend. Yeah. It just yeah. gets easier and easier. Now tell me about that birth. So you mm-hmm. said that you had a great experience with your midwives. what mm-hmm. What was your first birth like? <laughs>
1: It was long, (laughs) very, very long. Um, It was 36 hours total from sort of where my contractions first started to to when he was delivered. And a lot of that, unfortunately, was in sort of fairly active labour. You know, the first time you, you obviously don't really know what to expect. Your body's not quite sure of, of what it's doing as much as it is the second time around. But, you know, I think we had some poor positioning of Baby as well. Um, he, he came out of his own stubborn accord um, with a lot of effort from me, despite being in a not ideal position, had his little hand up by his face and was definitely... Sideways, not sunny side up, not sunny side down. He was facing to the side the whole time and refused mm-hmm. to turn and move as he should. So <laughs> it was a, a very long, drawn out process, very tiring, exhausting. Um, but my friend from work, who I mentioned previously, was there with us. Um, she was a, a great support to me and also to, to Thomas. Um, at that time, she didn't really have any um, educated practical experience I guess I would say um, with with delivery she had um, accompanied you know other people but it was not any sort of formal role that she had taken but um, Manning can actually claim the fame as being her first official doula birth um, she used us as, as the first delivery for part of her doula training and she's actually gone on to be a fantastic midwife now working with a private practice up there in Alaska and has attended a gazillion births, both in their birth center and, and at home. So she was there and she was fantastic. I don't think Thomas would have made it through, um, quite as well as he did if she hadn't have been there so so that was good and then we wound up actually having um I think a total of three midwives and then a birth assistant who is now a midwife at the delivery just because of how long we were there changing of shifts and then um the primary midwife that we had there um, just wasn't feeling comfortable with how things were progressing and so she called in her her supervising midwife who was on call to come and take a look and just see you know did we need to do the dreaded transfer for failure to progress or were we okay Um, and, and could we continue so the the second midwife came in and like yeah you know we've been at this for a while but I can see that we're making slow progress and so she was able to give us all the confidence that we could persist and and get get going and and keep things moving and get him born in that situation rather than having to go to the hospital which was which was fantastic so he he came after about 36 hours of delivery Um, screaming and crying and not happy to be outside. I think he wanted to stay in, (laughs) Um, but it was, it was definitely an experience and certainly one that I would repeat, you know, at any time. I don't have any, anything about the whole process that I, I would change. I mean, I think you can look back in hindsight and say, well, you know what, I've done that differently, where well, we maybe have stayed at home for longer, not gone to the birthing center so early on. But I think in this, in the moment, in the situation with the information that we had, we made the best decisions. I, you know, I had fantastic care from from the midwives and the birth attendants that were there. And they, they helped us have a, a, a wonderful delivery that we would, as I said, repeat again, at any time.
0: Oh, that's incredible. I-, I love the setup that it sounds like they have mm-hmm. there too, the mm-hmm. their practice and how, you know, when one midwife is getting tired, they can call another midwife and have someone else come with fresh eyes.
1: Exactly. Yeah, it was fantastic. And, you know, the first midwife, she she actually saw us through to the end. She stayed um, probably about six hours past her, her scheduled end of shift time because she was meant to take that overnight and, you know, be off the next day, but she stayed with us until he was delivered. And I, I was, I was very pleased for that. I, you know, and I know as a, a vet that you want to follow through on things until they're done and I appreciated her maintaining that continuity of care with us even though we then did have you know other providers that came in and and were supporting as well so yeah it, it was great you know I, I can't think that in a hospital situation you'd have someone stick with you for for that long you know right past their their checkout clock out time so it it was good, and, you know, we're still in contact with all of them, you know, even having not not lived there now for, for coming up on four
0: years soon, so. Oh, well, yes, it, I mean, it becomes a type of family, Exactly, you know? yes. <laughs> and back to your point of, um, you know, her staying for that period mm-hmm. of time, not only that, but if you had been in the hospital, you know, who's to say would they have let you labor that long? That's it, Exactly. Right, yes. that's what I yes. think of with my own birth, which was yep. – about the same, you know, lengthwise, it's like, oh man. And I, I would have gone in early because that early, that early labor felt pretty much the same Mm -hmm. as uh, the later labor. (laughs) Exactly.
1: Exactly. So, you know, and, and it's those sorts of things that we look back on and are, you know, even, even happier with our decision to pursue that route of care that first time, because it could have been, a completely different experience. I, I I feel in my heart that if we had have been in that hospital situation that I would have wound up on the surgery table having a, what would have been obviously retrospectively a, an unnecessary section. Right. Um, you know, the, the baby wasn't in distress. It was just the fact that he wasn't really budging at right. the rate that people would prefer him to. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm very grateful, very grateful for them all. And, I, you know, I, it, it kept me from something that was unnecessary that would have completely changed not only his birth story, but the the f- birth stories and future siblings and, you know, my, my take and perspective on it as well.
0: Oh, that's such a good point. Now, between your first birth and your second birth, you guys mm-hmm you guys moved, correct?
1: Yes, yes, we moved a couple of times, so we left Alaska when Manning was about 18 months old, and we lived in Hawaii for a little while, um, really loved it there, and, you know, they, not as strong a presence of midwifery um, as we had in Alaska, but that was, you know, it was definitely a, an option for us there if we had if we had needed it. Um, we then went to Australia for a little while where my my family was, um, and then we we made the choice to come to Mississippi. My husband's family's here, and he had a a good job opportunity that we we felt we needed to follow up on.
0: Well, wonderful. So I would love to hear about, you know, your your choice to have a home birth after Mm -hmm. your birth center birth, and and kind of what your prenatal experience was, as well as that birth. Yep. So Alex
1: was a little bit a lot I suppose I should say of a surprise Um, we certainly intended to have one if not more children it's just the timing of him um, arriving was not exactly when we had planned Um, but you know we love him (laughs) so the the beginnings of pregnancy were definitely um, a little different there wasn't the anticipation of okay well you know let's let's look at adding another one to our family all the excitement anticipation worry that goes along with that it was sort of a case of oh I'm you know I'm pregnant by the way (laughs) um so that that was difficult it was definitely a different story than his big brother had sort of starting out in that process and um Immediately the concern for me was okay well how are we going to do this because I I did not want to be forced into the hospital route just because that was all that was available um so I, I started looking and, you know, asking questions on Facebook groups and of people I know, Neely, you know, who who can I talk to that can help me find someone? And, you know, I don't know if you know a lot, anything about midwifery here in, in Mississippi. Not sure if
0: Neely no, mentioned please anything tell.
1: previously. No, and um, I
0: will say just for the for the listeners, Neely, if, if you guys oh, didn't yeah, listen to this. Oh, no, you're fine. If you didn't <laughs> listen, uh, Neely is, I think it's the second or third episode it's the third episode of the podcast I interview Neely about her home birth so guys go check that out
1: yep Neely's a fantastic friend we met in Alaska and she and her husband Garrett are actually the first people to find out that we were pregnant with Manning um, oh. after after Thomas and I found out so that's a really fun story too we'll have time I'll tell it to you later but sure is the focus for the day today <laughs> okay let's go <laughs> yeah so you know talked to a lot of people asked a lot of questions did a lot of research just trying to find who would who would be a good provider that I was I was comfortable with and here in Mississippi unfortunately midwifery is not regulated in any way really um, the only regulation there is is that C&M so the certified nurse midwives are not allowed to practice from my understanding, outside of that that hospital clinical setting, um, which is unfortunate because I, you know I feel that the CNMs have a lot to offer. Having that nursing background makes them a little bit more scientific um, and very well educated. Obviously, very knowledgeable and intelligent women too. So I could have gone to see a CNM, but I still would have been tied to that that hospital birth setting. So looking around, you know, there there are a number of midwives, lay midwives here, even in central Mississippi area around around Jackson, um, but I just wasn't happy, comfortable with what I was seeing. I didn't really feel find anyone that had the level of experience that I was comfortable with, uh, you know, a level of education that I, I was comfortable with too. And um, not to say that those women aren't fantastic and that maybe I would choose one of them a third go round, um, but just for for this pregnancy, this situation, I, I really wanted something just a, a little bit more. And I was actually able to locate a um, a, a CPM um, down in the the southern part of the state. She's very close to the Alabama border. I believe she's the only CPM actually in the state of Mississippi. Um, And uh, yeah, that that for me was just something that was like, okay, yeah, I I think that's the person that I I want to go with. She had a level of, you know, not only a level of training, but also a level of accountability that I appreciated. Um, You know, to be a CPM, you have to maintain certain standards of education through your licensing or certification um you know you have to do continuing education things like that so i i felt comfortable that she would be up to speed on, you know, the latest developments and knowledge and and things like that. And obviously, you know, certified in neonatal resuscitation and all those things that that you want to have as well. So I I communicated with her and um, she doesn't take on many people. Um, She's also three hours away. So, Mm. you know, that was a a huge thing for us as well that we had to consider was, okay, well, we're we're going to be able to, to manage that. It's a long way to drive. Um, you know especially towards the the latter part of pregnancy and that that was difficult but i i- talked with her went and met her, met her her assistant, and you know we we hit it off I was very pleased with with um you know her personality we meshed very well and with the care that she was she was going to be able to provide for us as well so I saw her for the majority of my prenatal care um I will go down there as as provide you know requested for um the the visits that you have to make and she'd measure me and you know we'd chat and if I could I would take Manning with me as well just to have him involved in the process and understanding that there was going to be you know another little one in the house (laughs) not too long um one of her requirements especially for someone who's so far away from her was that we have um, an OB backup, someone who would be able to take over care and admit to hospital if, if there was a need for that. And, you know, some people don't require that. And that's fine. That actually made me, you know, more comfortable as well. Knowing that she was willing to recognize if, you know, something was outside her scope of ability to care for, you know, that we would have a backup plan if something went wrong with me or with the baby during the delivery as well. So um, I was able to identify an OB um, in the local area that uh, I was comfortable with. she she um would not give me her professional blessing to have a home birth, but we sort of discussed it off the record and um she she gave me as much of approval of that as as she was able to, and she knew what our intentions were, and she wasn't going to be surprised if I showed up for my six week postpartum check with a new baby that she had never <laughs> met before. <laughs> I love that. So, yeah, so that that was good, too, because it also gave me the flexibility a little bit to not have to go, you know, make that six hour drive every time to see the midwife. We were able to space those visits out a little bit more, um, especially when it came down to the every two weeks and then weekly checks, you know, in those those last six to eight weeks of pregnancy. So she they were able to to provide some good coverage um and and you know get get me taken care of and monitored effectively as well
0: i like that and i i do definitely appreciate your decision to go with a cpm Mm -hmm. um that is that's one thing that maybe people don't understand are there are different requirements of someone Mm -hmm. who is certified and they are held to a a certain standard and level Whether the state acknowledges them as legal or not, exactly. they still hold those standards. And yes, so I I think that's really great that you mentioned that. Yeah, yeah,
1: it was it was important for us. And you know, one thing I forgot to mention too in the the journey to home birth here in Mississippi was that um, Thomas was actually the one that finally, you know, pulled the plug on the the hospital option. Um, you know, we'd been talking about it, and we were still in the process of Locating and identifying the midwife that we chose to go with. So I was I was going to that first prenatal appointment, meeting the OB, coming home with the the packet of information. Um, and one of the the things in there was a, a pamphlet about the the delivery area in the hospital, and you know the the beds and you know lots of open space, and it looks very nice. And oh, but you know we we don't allow you to eat or drink. Okay, <laughs> um, you know my marathon 36-hour labor previously would not have been managed without oh, no. eating or drinking, but okay, you know we'll we'll see. And then oh, you're not allowed to take any photographs in the delivery room either. It's like okay, well no. Some of the most precious photos that I have of Manning are, you know, those ones that were taken during and immediately after his delivery. You know, you're you're in such a blurry state at that point that you can't remember those moments. And so I I have some very dear photos of, of that time with, with the first baby that I wanted to be able to have with the second baby as well. You know, I sent him some photos of of that pamphlet, didn't say anything, just like, oh, you know, look, look what I got from the OB today. He's like, uh, no, (laughs) that's not happening. You know, it's, you need to eat, you need to drink. He's, he's a marathon runner. He understands the importance of you know, being well-fueled and well-hydrated. And it just, uh, it just doesn't make sense. So right. And hey, and
0: what are you doing that, that I can't mm-hmm. have
1: pictures of? Exactly. Exactly. I know that that really did not make sense to me. You know, I, I can understand the, supposedly the thoughts behind not eating and drinking. I, I sort of get that, although I I don't as well. You know, if you have to anesthetize me, any anesthesiologist worth his salt is going to be able to intubate me. And, oh, I don't know, have you ever heard of antiemetics to prevent me from regurgitating and vomiting as well? You know, it's these things are available. I think it's a little archaic. So, yeah, those two things are really the kicker for for us. I I was already well over the edge, but at the same time, it's, you know, a home birth. It's not something you want to pursue without a partner who is fully invested and supportive in the process. Yes. Um, so it was, it was going to be up to him to, you know, make that, that final decision and what was going to be best for our family. And I'm, I'm very grateful that he did make that decision. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think he was, he was happy with it once he, he decided and we never had any, any qualms or questions about the process after that.
0: Oh, that's wonderful. So so now let's, let's go on with the story. What, what happened towards the end?
1: Yeah. So there was a little question with Alex about exactly what his due date was. Um, I was 99.9% positive of, um, when things had started. Um, and you know, that we calculated from there a due date and I measured with that due date all along, but, um, as part of the care with the OB I did have some screening as well I had a, an ultrasound of my own choosing because I wanted to make sure that everything with baby was okay you know I I would have a hospital delivery if there was something with the baby that necessitated him getting that extra level of care you know that that was not something I was going to be selfish about um so we hadn't we had an ultrasound and um the, the dating showed that you know is actually two weeks further along than than where we thought. so the OB and I talked a little bit about that had an agreement to agree to disagree about dating and we'd sort of see how things went along. So the long and short of that is that we weren't entirely positive of his delivery date. Um, he came in the end two weeks early from my calculated due date but if we based it on the due date from the ultrasound he actually came right out 40 weeks okay Um, so yeah not not early um but I'm not entirely sure that whether he came on time or not. (laughs) Right. So he he was born at at 38 weeks by my calculations. Um, I had really absolutely no indications the day before I went into labor that anything was coming. Um, I had a lot of Braxton Hicks contractions, which I had done with his brother as well. Really any sort of activity for me, even just walking around the house stimulated those and nothing would make them stop except resting and lying down and even then I would still have them at night as well. Um, So there was no change in the frequency or severity of those in the couple of days prior. You know, I didn't have any spotting or changes in appetite or or anything like that. Looking back now, I see that I wasn't able to take a nap on that Sunday afternoon, which had been a little bit more common um, in those last couple of months. And I did actually clean out my car in my husband's truck and install the baby seat. Of um, course. But that was probably because it needed to be done rather than any sort of, you know, nesting final burst of energy for me. Um, so we we had been at church the day before. We, our Sunday school had a, um, a little sort of baby shower for us. So that was fun. And um, we ate some yummy foods and then the next morning, I was able to inform everyone that, hey, the baby came last night. <laughs> so he, he was he was born very quickly. Um, went to bed that night, the Sunday night, and um, you know, no no indications that anything was happening. Woke up as Thomas came to bed at just about quarter to twelve, and got up to pee as you do whenever you're woken up as a late term pregnant mama, mm-hmm. and was like, oh. Oh, what was that? Did I pee myself? I didn't didn't think I had to go that badly. It was just sort of an oh, I'm awake, I better go type thing. I'm like, no, no, there's definitely something still coming out. Okay, well, let me walk back out to the bedroom. No, no, there it goes again. Oh. So just. Called Thomas, woke him up, um, and, you know, went and stood in the bathtub as I'm dripping amniotic fluid (laughs) and uh, called my midwife, who didn't really believe me, um, but I convinced her that, you know, I was pretty certain that my water had just broken, and no, I was not having any contractions at this point, Um, hung up the phone from her and immediately called my mother, who lives in Dallas, and it was like, um, if you want to be here for the baby, I would suggest that you get in the car because looks like things are starting now. <laughs> um, and so she, she got herself ready and, and jumped in the car and, and headed our way. So given the midwife was three hours away, we obviously had a, a bit of time to wait. Um, her birth assistant lived about just over an hour from our house. So she arranged that the assistant would at least get headed our way. And, you know, she could do a, a check on me Um. Do the little swab test, make sure that the, um, you know, it was actually a waters that had broken and that I was leaking fluid. And just sort of see where, where things were at. So, Manning was in bed. Obviously, it's you know after midnight by this time. And um, so Thomas and I just sat in bed and uh, watched a TV show, <laughs> realizing that it was probably going to be our last moment of peace and quiet for a little while. And it took almost an hour for my contractions to even get started. Um, Alex was moving around. He was was happy you know I didn't have any concerns uh, about that um and the contractions started they were fairly mild at first it's like okay well you know finally finally there's one it, it's it's starting um by the time the birth assistant got there um I'm getting a little bit stronger, but, you know, still able to to talk through things and, and move around. Um, she checked me. She did the swab. You know, it turned black or dark brown, whatever color it is. Um, and so definitely, definitely things were on their way. and We were we were going to have a baby, whether we liked it or not. <laughs> um, somewhere in there, Manning woke up, um, which he is prone to do at times, but certainly hadn't been frequently recently so we were trying to get him settled back down and he just he wasn't settling I'm kneeling by his bed having contractions, trying to to calm him and get him back to sleep um so we we had my in-laws come around and and pick him up I think it was about four o'clock at that time um and they they took him home to their house so that he could at least be you know out of the way and not not be worried about what was going on um in the middle of the night and strange noises and strange people in his house and, and things like that. So we just just continued moving around the house and, you know, different positions that, that were comfortable. Um, contractions really still were not hugely intense at that point. I was able to talk through them, and you know, just chatting and joking and um Just trying to be as relaxed as possible, which was something that I um, had definitely worked on during my my prenatal time with with some yoga and just being very, very conscious of, you know, my muscles and how I was feeling. Was there any stress or tension that I that I needed to address? So that was definitely something that was very helpful through the the delivery process. Um, My midwife arrived at some point not entirely sure what time it was because, you know, your sense of time goes completely out the window at that point. Um, she was pleased with, with how things were progressing. I, I think maybe she checked me. I can't remember. She really – I think I had two or three checks the entire time, and, and that was it. There was no need. It was obvious that things were, were moving along, and um, we just sort of rolled with it. She got her things set up. Um, I, I got in the bathtub at some point. Um, and that was helpful to an extent, but um, didn't do a lot to relieve my, my labor. I, I tend to have back labor. Um, apparently, my uterus likes to tip backwards rather than being sort of nicely up and down or, or tilted a little bit forward. So, rather than getting any sort of pain and discomfort in. My belly, it's all focused on my back and my hips. So kneeling in the bathtub was okay. But once things started really to get more intense, I couldn't find a comfortable position because to get my back submerged, had to, you know, be reclining. And that's not a fun place when you're having back labor. Um, Kneeling on hands and knees felt good for the contractions, but did nothing for my back. So it was it was time to get out at that point. And um, I'm glad I did because I, I think that movement um, really, you know, just changing positions, getting upright, getting out of the tub, um, you know, using the bathroom, relieving my bladder and then, you know, getting back into the bedroom and getting comfortable there. I, I think that really helped to be the final kick that that baby needed to, to get things rolling and, and get on out. So I had him at, I believe, about 5.50 in the morning. So it wasn't even six hours which is so incredibly different from what we had experienced with with Manning Um, and I, I would have been worried prior to the delivery that such a different time frame would have been a lot more intense and perhaps um disorienting, I suppose. You know, you hear about people like Neely who've had a very rapid delivery where your brain doesn't have time to catch up with what's going on. Um, and so I, I, I would have been worried previously about that being the case, but it wasn't. I was very much in the zone with the whole process. You know, I think that time between waters breaking and labor or in contractions starting helped Immensely, um, it, my body eased me into it. My brain was able to to keep pace with what was going on, and I, I really felt very focused and not in control because you have no control over the process, but very in touch with what was going on, and I, I was there. Um, it it was it was a rapid delivery, but it wasn't hugely intense, which was which was fantastic. So I wound up um, hands and knees. In my bedroom, um, Thomas, poor Thomas, I don't know how I didn't break his head. Hand. <laughs> he was at he was at my head and you know just talking to me, supporting me and letting me squeeze the living daylights out of his hand with every contraction. And um, the midwife and the assistant were, were doing their thing at, at the other end. The assistant was very good with my back labour issues, you know, rubbing my back and hip squeezes were, were helpful. And if Thomas needed to, he'd he'd put pressure on my, you know, on the middle of my pelvis too, just to, to relieve things. He knew how to do that from from Manning because we'd been through something very similar with that and um you know there was there was none of the issues that we had with manning i didn't have the um the cervical lip i didn't have the extended pushing without really any sort of progress it was it you know it it went from productive pre-transitional contractions to transition vocalizing um you know and then that that final stage of of you know, intense contractions and and pushing the baby out. There was, there was no lingering around. He didn't have any positional issues. He had his hand up by his face, just like his brother did, but (laughs) he, he came out, he came out easily. Um, and it was, it it was great. You know, I, I don't have any, any bad memories, any bad memories of it. It was, It was wonderful. I I enjoyed it. And we found out what he was because we didn't know. We we had decided – well, I had decided not to find out. There you go. (laughs) Thomas actually knew I don't know if I had told you that previously no way yep Yep, Thomas knew he decided (sighs) that he wanted to find out so we um we we found out well he found out at the ultrasound that we had and um the technician wrote it down for him and he kept that from me I don't know how he managed to do that but he kept it from me for for half the pregnancy so he knew it was a little boy but I didn't And um, so we we met little Alex that day and just fell in love and, yep, started a life as a family of four with a bang. And it was on our anniversary, too. Oh, no (laughs) way. Oh, (laughs) what a great story. Oh, I know. (laughs) Well, and we have no excuse now. Like, we always forget our anniversary. Just the day before (laughs) at Sunday school at church, we were like, oh it's our anniversary tomorrow and we were joking about it so now we have no excuse we we have a child born on our birthday we
0: can't forget that date now right so you definitely have to have a birthday party this year (laughs) exactly (laughs) oh man sarah that's incredible now what i find really funny about this is my husband's name is thomas as well And he I was the one that didn't want to find out what the gender Uh of this baby is that I'm currently pregnant with. And he was like, Oh, just let me find out. Please just let me find (laughs) out And he decided not to. But I had told him that he could. He could. could. And and I did I really did trust that he would be able to keep it. And so I'm not gonna let him listen to this episode because (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> then he's was, gonna go find out.
1: I w- I was very impressed that Thomas was was able to keep that from me. I think he found it very difficult at first. He initially was told that he was not allowed to tell anyone. Um, he eventually told a couple of people at work just because he had to tell someone. <laughs> to get and out. then that was it, and he was fine. And he would he would mix and match his him and hers and he's and she's as we were talking about the baby. I really hadn't no idea like he never gave me the creepy feeling that he had just slipped up or something he you know he made some comment a couple weeks before Alex was born that made me wonder but it wasn't enough that I felt confident you know, to, to make a call on it. So he, he did great. He, his main concern, it's funny was that it was going to be a girl and he's petrified of having a girl because he doesn't know how to wipe her. So <laughs> he wanted to mentally prepare himself for those. Sort of Should things. he have to exactly, exactly. So I can oh. imagine he was hugely relieved to find out that it was a boy. <laughs>
0: but he didn't have to go from top to bottom. That's exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh, I love that. That's so funny. And it just is, is so much like my husband. I can't get yeah. over it. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, now that we've got a few minutes left, I would love to hear your previous story. You were yep. saying you might mention if we had time.
1: Yeah. Yep. So we we had Manning at that at that birth center, a great experience. Um, And with him, I, I had a lot of intense Braxton Hicks in the weeks prior, as I as I did with with Alex as well. But again really nothing that indicated to me in the few days prior that anything was was happening. Um and in fact Manning was was a few days over. He was meant to his d- due date was um I believe February 29th. No, not February. What am I saying? Mama brain is such a real thing even oh, at yeah. age. Oh yeah. Um was December 29th and he didn't actually come until the 2nd of January. So um, I like to to say and I will plan on telling him when he gets a little older and can understand that he cost me a lot of money uh, yes. in those extra few days because I had to pay a new insurance deductible. I didn't get a tax you know, deduction for him being Mm -hmm. born in 2013 instead of 14. And then living in Alaska as well, um, you qualify for the PFD, the Permanent Fund Dividend. And normally you have to be a resident for a full calendar year, so January 1st to December, end of December. But if you're born there even two days before the end of the year, you qualify for that year's payment. So he oh. lost out on about $1,800 oh, worth my word. Of, of PFD as well. So yeah, he he's not going to live that down. That will come up at his 18th or 21st or maybe both or any time that he costs me a lot of money. I shall remind him again Perfect. how much he, he cost me at that time. But yeah, so he was born on the 2nd of January um, and labor actually started fairly early on on New Year's Day, which I thought was very ironic that he had waited until the 1st of the year to come. <laughs> Like couldn't you have just come yesterday? Come on. Um, but started real early in the morning. I I want to say about one one thirty because it was almost thirty six hours on the dot from when he, I started contractions with him to to when he was actually delivered. Um, and it was it was slow. You know, I did things around the house and didn't didn't really feel out of sorts, you know, it was obviously having some pain and discomfort, but it, it didn't really stop me from doing anything. Um, we, we Got out of the house, went for a walk. We went to Lowe's and walked around, and you know, just random things that you do when you're waiting for the baby to come. Um, I threw the Christmas turkey in a pot and made some some soup, and you know, just bits and pieces trying to to keep myself occupied. Um, Communicated with the the midwife through the day, and um, I think probably about six o'clock that evening, we decided that the the three of us that you know should go in, get checked out, just sort of see where things are at, because you know, I'm a complete Maybe I have no idea what's going on. I, I, there's a baby coming. That's about the extent of, of what I know about the process at this point. So we went in and, um, you know, she gave us the option of going home or, you know, did we want to stay and just sort of see where things went? And we decided to stay. It was um, Alaska in the middle of winter and it wasn't snowing. The weather wasn't bad. But, you know, you don't want to drive if you don't have to. And it was cold out and it was nice and warm in the birth center. So just decided to, to hang out there and just see how see how things went. So wound up walking the holes and climbing the stairs and just sort of anything we could do to keep things moving. Um, got in the shower, bounced on a bowl, ate, drank. Chatted with Thomas, watched some stuff on the TV, um, just the things that you do as as you're going through the process. And um, you know, I, I really have absolutely no idea of flow of time. You know, I, I don't I couldn't tell you when my friend Mary arrived. I think it was probably about eleven o'clock that night. I, I don't know what time I got in the bathtub. I don't know what time I got out. Um, it was it was a long drawn out process. I I, I have what I guess are gaps of memory. I was tired. I was exhausted. Um, I have chronic fatigue syndrome. So any sort of extended sort of endurance type activity like labor, um, really takes it out of me. So it was important to me that I rest as much as I could through that process too. So, um, don't have a lot of the sharp memories that I have, from Alex's delivery but you know I, I remember enough to you know pe- put the important pieces together and, and know that things were progressing and he was doing well I could hear his heartbeat every time they checked him with the Doppler um, he was happy as a clam but you know just just was taking his his sweet time I know that we had the cervical lip um, my water hadn't broken so at some point they elected to to rupture my membranes just to see if that helped move things along a little bit more and it did to an extent um but wasn't the um the major eruption of activity that, you know, that I know some people experience. And looking back, I think a lot of the slow progress of things was due to his positioning. Um, You know, the midwife could tell from palpation of the the skull sutures that he wasn't in the ideal position, Um, but really anything that we tried as far as different laboring positions or walking around and moving, stuff like that, didn't really seem to be helping him to roll and position any better. Um, looking back, I can see now that he was actually in that same position probably for the last four, maybe six weeks of pregnancy. So it's no wonder that nothing we did to encourage him to move seemed to work. He was in his favorite spot and he wasn't going anywhere. <laughs> so we he, he wound up coming. There was a, a lot of pushing a lot of pushing, um, different positions, you know, on the bed, off the bed, on the birthing stool, hands and knees, standing up, kneeling down, squatting, all sorts of things. And, um, you know, I I can't really remember exactly what position was the final one that seemed to um, breach the dam, for want of a better word. Um, I I think I was squatting. It may have been on the bed and it may have been on the floor, but I do remember that we we finally – got him to, to start to descend properly. And, um, I got back up on the bed and laid back a little bit cause I was so hideously tired at that point and, um, just worked with the contractions to, to deliver him. And he came out, um, facing towards my right side Ugh. with his little hand up by his face, which probably did not help him not, not wanting to descend at all. And, um, came out kicking and screaming and happy to be there as much as a baby can be. And, yeah, that was, that was Manning in a nutshell. He, he had a short cord as did Alex actually. So I was not able to bring either boy sort of all the way up to my chest until, Mm -hmm. um, after we cut the cord, but they hung out on my belly and, um, you know, let the, let the cord start pulsing, cut things and then move them up. And yeah, that was, that was special meeting the first little baby. It was a, a really great experience, even, even what we'd been through, Right. Up until that time, it was that it it really does all wash away and you remember it, but you don't. There's something new and special to enjoy instead of thinking about the, the pain.
0: Right. The sharp edges kind of exactly.
1: fade. Exactly.
0: Exactly. Man, Sarah, your stories are just so triumphant and enjoyable to <laughs> hear. Thank you so much for regaling us with all <laughs> of this.
1: Not a problem. And I meant to say this before, but you know, I don't know if anyone's seen that meme that's going around on Facebook at the moment about storytelling. Um, you probably have; it's, it's pretty popular. The the first one at the top of the page is, you know, sort of how most people tell a story, and it's point A to point B with a direct line between them. And I unfortunately tend to err on the side of person B where you have to give the backstory and then the current story and then the future and oh we'll loop back to
0: something so I
1: apologize if my stories are a bit disconnected
0: absolutely not it was absolutely riveting the entire time good just loved it oh well once again Sarah thank you so much for coming on the podcast not a
1: problem thank you so much for having me Caitlin
0: There you go, friends. Another amazing episode and story from such a precious mother. I know you guys had to enjoy that one as much as I did. So to wrap up for today, we'll do a quick episode roundup, which really consists of one major focal point that I thought of through, well, really two that I thought of about this episode. The first one being just because your labor is one way with your first child does not mean that that's how it's going to be with your second. So maybe you had a hard time. Maybe you were in the hospital or at a birthing center or at home. doesn't matter where you were. It could have been a long labor. It could have been really stressful and difficult just because that was your situation the first time, that does not mean that that's how it's going to be the second, third, fourth, fifth, or sixteenth time. So remember to have hope and confidence going into each birth. It's always a new experience. The second thing I wanted to point out was Sarah's Search for a midwife in Mississippi. Um, You know, there are just dry spots (laughs) across the country, and a lot of that has to do with legislature. And it's really unfortunate that not all of our states are on board and accepting of home birth. Um, I do obviously agree with Sarah's decision to find a CPM, and I thought that was a really, really Strong and good decision on her part. It's just so nice to have somebody at your birth that that knows what they're doing that's held to certain standards and no, no matter what the state is holding them to, um, they are held to those standards. I know that that's hard to find. I know that in those states where there is, you know, there are legal questions about it. It's really, really hard to find a care provider, and that is so unfair. Um, but, but always try to keep in mind that it's great to have somebody that is certified. Now on that note though I do want to say um, there's I'm going to start adding a disclaimer at the beginning of episodes. I wanted to add it to the end this time just to kind of get you familiar with it um, but I will start saying it at the beginning. These stories that I'm sharing are are your stories they're not my stories they're your opinions they're not my opinions so just because somebody decides to you know do things a certain way that does not mean that i would personally do that doesn't mean that i would condone that um so just for for future reference and past reference as well um, i want this to be an open place for you to share your stories but i also don't want everybody to think, oh, anybody that, you know, I interview, I 100% agree with every decision because of course not. And, you know, if you go back and listen to my birth story, you probably don't agree with every decision that I make in mine. So this is not related to Sarah's story at all. I just wanted to get that out there for, for future reference, for past reference. Um, But that is a little, a little disclaimer that I am going to start throwing in there. So anyway, with all of that being said, thank you guys so much for tuning in once again. I'm so grateful to have you as listeners. This is an amazing audience, and I look forward to our next episode next week. See ya.